Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, welcome to uh, the program, today being uh, April 4th uh, and uh, the 50th anniversary of an appalling uh, day in American history, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a day that some of us older folks uh, remember very well. But uh, we have a guest with us today, and there is so much to talk about and to pick his brain about because we haven't heard from him in a long time, too long a time. And so let's just jump right on it. Uh, Here is Jared Day from Daily News Nuggets back again. Hi, Jared. Hey, Lynn. Hi. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I am excellent. How about you, Sammy? I'm great. I'm really good. So um, it's been a long time, and, a, and an awful lot has happened. Yeah, well, yeah. It isn't the way I would have uh, had it go, but uh, it certainly you, you can certainly claim that you live in interesting times. It, exactly, exactly. So... Um, I, you know, I, where to, where to start? I mean, I, I guess at this point, um, let's just get your, your sense of where the Trump presidency, uh, stands right now. Is it, is it, uh, on solid ground? Is it, uh, getting scarier? Is it, uh, you think it's going to last, uh, four years? Um, give, give us an overview. Well, I, I would have to say that, that that the way I look at it now is that it's in short. It's like it, I, I think of it in three month segments. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know that 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 uh, I, and right now I, I think I, he's actually having you know for for him this last two or three weeks has actually not been too bad. Uh, by any other historical standard, it would have been a it would have been just uh, terrible. It's, it's, right. It's, it, one of the great fears when people uh, I think started when we started looking at the Trump administration was that it would normalize certain types of things, and I think that we are are so seeing that when people will look at oh his his numbers are getting better. You know, or when you hear them say, it's like, well, this week, you know, has he's actually had a good week this week. It's like, if this is what a good week for a president looks like, or a good, these are good polling numbers for any president, yeah. then, then you know that, that the, 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 uh, the scales have changed. Well, he has. He has recalibrated. Well, sure. He's recalibrated every every scale on which we function it seems and yeah. all of them of course so, in, in the wrong direction having said that okay yeah that, that i i think that the biggest concern that i have uh right now is the all of the his his replacements on the on the cabinet level uh that is some is somehow he it lives for him that, according to the reports anyway, that he now feels that he's enough. He's been in the in the saddle long enough that he that he can now 
kind of a let his let his own instincts have free reign. Right. Uh, and yeah, that that especially in the foreign policy, in so many ways, it's just like, wow, that is that's really interesting that he should think that. Interesting. Uh, interesting. You would have thought by now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you would have thought. I mean, it almost indicates to me that somehow this is somebody who is has some kind of odd form of learning disability where he can't learn. So he keeps making the same mistakes over and over, and rather than actually learn what there is to learn from those mistakes, he simply blames people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 but then, you know, I, I think that there's, layers upon layers of psychological problems that, that Trump has that we've never seen in a president before. Oh. Uh, and, and, and so so uh, multidimensional and, and, and so many uh, uh, openly, it's so open. Uh, often presidents in the past have had right. obsessions, right. you know, personality disorders, I think in order to even want to be president, you have to have a certain kind of a personality disorder. Uh, but it is it, we, we've never seen anything quite like this before. Uh, no. But uh, that 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 was that is my 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 chief concern. But on the other hand, I would say that there's he there's I also hear, and I think this is probably a, a correct half is that there's a lot of, parano- not paranoia, but a deep concern. There's a sense of, of high-level, like, four-alarm fire stress in the White House. It's almost palpable. Uh, and I, I would say if I were in the White House, I, I would feel that way, or at least I feel like I should feel that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the days where he thinks that he, things are really going great, it, it, it sort of indicates that he's really not in touch with just how many different brush fires are going around the White House right now. Okay, so, so, uh, there's two words that begin with I, yes. that begin with I, and I'm, I'm just wondering, if are either of them really in play in the next year or two? And that is indictment or impeachment. I would say, well, I think that uh, with the Mueller investigation, all that it's my understanding that the best that he can do in a final report is to recommend indictment, indictment right? Uh, if for somebody like Donald Trump, everybody else he can indict, correct? But Donald Trump has to, it has to that he can recommend indictment, in which case it would all get kicked to the House of Representatives. Um, and my, my sense that there's going to be lots of indictments. Uh, and I, I, you know, in the Watergate years, they came up with, I think, close to 50 indictments, uh, when it was all over, or excuse me, 50 prosecutions, uh, that, uh, that came out of the Watergate scandal. I fully expect we're going to go past that. Really? Uh, that, 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 Yes, because when you start, there's, there's so many different layers. Uh, you look at, you know, it isn't just the Russia probe. Yeah, you know, there's probably about 20 people involved in that particular universe of stuff. 
But then you look at the obstruction of justice, uh, the perjury uh, that, ha- that has, uh, I-, I think, gone on. But then you start drifting over into the money laundering and the, uh, the, the, uh, the corrupt practices uh, of, of Trump and his businesses and, and other things. Then you start, uh, then, then I think that the numbers are going to really start to pile up. Well, how does a president? So that's to, what I would say about in, okay indictment. But in what's pe- that? I, how does a presidency survive that? Nixon's didn't. Correct, but here's yeah. I I, I mean, to, in my view, uh, right now we're we're actually in a constitutional crisis right now. Uh, in 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 that we have the basic. You know, you'll, you'll hear people in the media say, well, our institutions are holding up seemingly just fine right now. No. And I, I do not share that opinion. No, because the... Le- uh, the, 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 the it just seems to me yeah. that the, the legislative branch is missing in action. So, um, no, uh, the checks and balances Correct. that are supposed to operate are not operating. Correct. And so we're, we're like in that. Uh, and uh, the cor- it is my hope uh, is that the correction will come in November. Right. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, I, can I, uh, can, I, I? I am optimistic yeah. about this. Can, can I add another but, piece of you know, optimi- I, I, optimism? Uh, sure. Another piece of optimism sure. happening in my home state uh, of Wisconsin yesterday. Uh, there was oh, a yeah, Supreme Court, Wisconsin Supreme Court election. And uh, for the first time since, I think, 1995, a Democrat won. It's been a long, long time. And this is a liberal Democratic woman beating out a crew-cut, NRA-supported guy and beat him soundly. Um, uh, I know that uh, Governor Walker is apoplectic. And he even tweeted something like, wake up, GOP, there's a blue wave coming. This is good. Well, there's lots of of evidence uh, for that, uh, for the the blue wave theory. And and I agree with it, uh, and with some caveats. Let me see. I I have two perspectives on that, actually. In that, that on the one hand, I, I think that that the Democrats have a historic opportunity here to make unprecedented gains, the kind of gains that they have not made in the House of Representatives since the New Deal. Right. Uh, and right now, if you look at the polling numbers, the, the most conservative estimate says that they're going to, they should net somewhere between 30 and 40 seats. Right. When they, I believe what the, the number they need is either 24 or 26. I can't remember right now which number that is, but they need 20, let's just say 26, to, to get the, the majority in the House. And right now, projections are 30 to 40. Now, if you average the, 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 the what's the term, the difference in victory of the candidates, special election candidates who've run since Trump came in. Right. Uh, that you know, the, the, all the there's been lots of Democratic victories. 
But especially at the end of last year, end of this year, what you're looking at is swings in the polling of, a, of somewhere between 15 and 20 percent. And when you're seeing numbers like that, I saw an analysis last week that said that, that, that if, if, if that is consistent in the House of Representatives, that it would actually put in danger about 110 seats for the, uh, for the Republicans. Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> now I don't, I do not, there's no way that I can imagine the, the, the Democrats taking anything like 110 seats, but I think that, it, that they're probably going to come in more like 60 to 70. Yeah, but Jared, uh, that, that's only, then, wait, they'll only come in like that if Democrats don't stay home like they tend to do and maintain this level of engagement. And what worries me is when people yeah. say what you're saying, they stay home. Why do I have to go? We're going to, it's going to, all these Republicans are going to oh, get I, beat. I, I actually think that the, it's going the, it's actually, we're looking at a rare phenomenon here where I think that the, that dynamic is working against Republicans right now, not against Democrats. How? That what you're seeing is, and this Scott Walker uh, is part of part of his uh, conversation this morning was that uh, yes, yeah, like yes, they need to wake up, but it was like that there's a, a degree of complacency out there amongst Republican lawmakers uh, that this is something that they've had. They've had many of them have never had challengers. Many of them think that well, I won by 30 points last time. I've got nothing to worry about this time. Uh, they, they, you know, one of the things about House races that is somewhat different than a lot of Senate or presidential races is that it's very hard to get accurate polling. Uh, that uh, that uh, mo- It's very expensive. And so most, most House members, if they think they're safe, they don't do the work until, like, September. Yeah, uh, that they'll actually do an actual poll. Uh, so that's why these preliminary races are so important in actually giving some hint. Uh, but you know, more to your point, uh, that that you see that concern uh, at the like the, the RNC, the Republican National Committee, saying like you you Republican lawmakers, you need to get out there. You're not doing enough. You're not. You're not. Uh, you know, the messages that you've got out there are, are really bad messages. They're not, they're not working. There's, there's little evidence that they're working. Moreover, that when you talk, uh, if you look at kind of the enthusiasm gap, they poll for that sort of thing, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, uh, the enthusiasm gap is way more on the Democratic side. Right. And it's also there's another dynamic in play here. And I, for me, the biggest concern I have for the fall is young people turning out. Well, they are, you know, but they're going to, you know, because one of the wonderful things that has happened in the wake of the horror at uh, the the high school in Florida is that you've seen millennials and young people activated and becoming aware of their political clout. Well, I actually think what they've become aware of is, is what they have at stake. This has been seriously missing through all the Bush years and then the Obama years, especially the Obama years. 
I think that they there was a kind of a lot was taken for granted. Right. And also, there's a degree of jadedness that and and kind of a, a kind of a yick, ickiness that a lot of young people felt towards politics. the political parties, especially, right. but politics in general. Right. And so what you saw is that in the last election that they a lot of them stayed away. Uh, but what they I think a lot of millennials have correctly seen is that they have way more at stake, uh, not just in terms of gun control, but in, in terms of just everything that they care about, whether it's uh, uh, LGBT issues or climate, climate or education. Climate. Yeah, climate change. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's the whole issue set, and this is true even amongst evangelical young people. That the sense of disillusionment among evangelical young people is noticeable. The disillusionment amongst uh, a young people from gun families is palpable. Really, is wow. measurable. Yes, that uh, that uh, gun ownership uh, amongst young people is declining precipitously. Uh, and uh, so, you know, this is, these are all great indicators as far as I can see, but the, the, I, I still have the concern that y you know, the habit of showing up remains to be tested. Okay, what, uh, here's another if concern. Wait, here's another concern, though. We're talking about our election. And, yeah. and there was a piece in, yeah. the, in the local paper yesterday about how all, uh, you know, the, the machines that I vote on, leave no paper trail, they're all hackable, the Russians, as we know, uh, had large success last time. What is to say that we have a secure uh, infrastructure for, for casting our votes and having them count? Well, we don't. <laughs> oh. That's the answer to that one. I mean, and, and the thing is, can it be effectively exploited such uh, to, that, it, that, it, that it will alter the races? That remains to be seen, and I have a, very, a real concern about it, because one of the things that, that is so galling about the Republicans' behavior since 2016 is that they are just to they're not doing a damn thing about protecting our elections from outside actors like Putin. Uh, you know, people don't realize how little money Putin actually put into the whole hacking and, and, and uh, uh, kind of collusion in the election. He, they, they, we're talking maybe $10 million. Nothing. That he put into that. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can bet he's going to, it's going to be exponentially higher sums that he's going to throw at this election, never mind other actors out there who might uh, want to meddle for, for, different, for different agendas. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't have any, any words of solace around that. No, it, well, it, you it, know, it's going to be you, men a, a you mention other actors, and I, the, my, the visual I got in my head was, yeah, the infamous guy that Trump conjured up, some 400-pound uh, guy sitting on his bed in the Ukraine somewhere, right? 
I mean, that is how vulnerable we are. Well, right? We might be, although those aren't the actors that, you see, in order to actually swing elections, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that uh, um, I, it's my understanding, I've done a little uh, investigation of this, that it actually requires a, a, a much more substantial investment than that. Okay. That uh, that you that you in order to uh, you know it, 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 you have to have some sort of cyber capability, the kind of cyber capability that states have, companies have, a guy in his basement usually don't have. Um, but you know, I will here again. We'll find out. You know, um, it is uh, it is going to be a tough election to uh, in, in in kind of looking for that. Uh, Jared, I want to I want to uh, pick your historian's brain now. Um, it it seems pretty uh, clear that uh, you know we elected. This is a country that elected a, a black man with an odd name, Barack Obama, uh, twice, and we felt pretty damn good about ourselves. Uh, and we then elected, amazingly, this bloated white buffoon. And yep. I, in, 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 so here's the thing Barack Obama, this dignified uh, man, uh, begot Donald Trump in that that was the reaction from uh, a sizable part of the population. It seems to me that Donald Trump, let us hope, is begetting the same kind of backlash. You see women empowered, young people empowered, um, you know, ACLU three, tripling its membership nationwide. That, that we'll see, is this the way American history goes? We get buffeted by, I mean, one way, then we go the other. It would seem that if we keep doing that, we end up in one place. We never move. Well, I, I, uh, my, I would say history, Trump, in, in a lot of ways, is an anomalous historical figure. Thank uh, God. That, that we really don't have, well, we will see. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it all depends on what he leaves in his wake when he's gone. Uh, that, that, here is somebody who has really taken the Republican Party away towards a direction that we've really never seen uh, toward a kind of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Sullivan's term, Christianist. Are you familiar with that term? No, I haven't heard the term. But... Christianist? Okay. It's a synthesis. It's a synthesis of evangelicalism and a kind of hyper-nationalism, hyper-patriotism. That, that is that uh, that uh, we see in Trump with his kind of emphasis on cu cultural issues and white nationalism. Well, wait. I mean, the last I time mean, I the, saw the, that, the, that that wasn't called Christianist. That was called fascist. Well, you know, I I, I don't know that the evangelical. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't lump evangelicalism in with fascist. <laughs> well, they're, where they're going I mean, politically, where they're going politically, um, it sure looks, it 
smells yes. fascistic to me. Yes, I would agree with that. You know, historically, you know, the, the, that that link is 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 is, is uh, somewhat underdeveloped. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think in terms of modern fascism, like 21st century fascism, this is this is this is often a direction that uh, conservative religious people find themselves going in, uh, desperately seeking some strong man to to dial things back, to to invent some mythic past. This is this is one of the common features I see of fascism of the 30s versus fascism to, of today is this kind of uh, a, a, an effort to reinvent or recreate some past that in a lot of ways never existed in the first place right but you kind of kind of living inside of people's very underdeveloped notions of what happened in the past uh, and, and and Trump is and just a, he's a perfect example of it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's somebody. Yeah, it's like it's it's still 1980 as far as he's concerned. This is somebody whose politics has not shifted since the 80s. He talks about immigration and, and what is it, industry, the decline. You know, uh, countries like Japan and and uh, others are uh, taking our industry and all this. It's like this 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 that that's the stable decades ago. And yet he's still, you know, working off that same rhetoric, among well, other things. Well, you know, I mean, look, the the world is changing um, at warp speed. Uh, technology is driving yeah. that uh, in in large part. Geopolitics and uh, you know everything is changing, and uh, so all over the world you see uh, this destabilizing this 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 wish for somebody to make it stop for you know i it just seems to me yeah. that i don't see this uh this going away this uh destabilizing uh influence that we're getting because of the speed of change now i would say to an extent that that is true Paul Krugman has an awesome column this morning. I'm going to be posting it on my blog later this week, uh, where he talks about this kind of phenomenon in the United States. And I agree with, and he would agree, that, that in the short and medium term, the conservative or red parts of America are probably going to get even more red and even more reactionary over the next, say, 10 years. And one of the things that's driving this is that the that the economy is transforming in such ways that educated people, highly educated people, uh, you know, that is really the gold standard in the new economy, right. and that companies that rely on highly educated workers, they want to be in communities filled with highly educated people. They want to be in communities with other companies that attract highly educated people. Uh, and what and the effect that this has out in red state America is that you know the next generation of young people that comes along, and you'll see this in small town rural America everywhere, is that the you know, young people grow up and the smart ones leave. Right. And what and that leaves behind the kind of less smart ones, the less educated ones. 
and the and older voters who kind of pined for the days of Dwight Eisenhower. You know, it's just like this. There's kind of a, a cycle here where it's going to turn blue state America bluer and red state America redder in the short term. That's well, in the sense. That's what Krugman makes the case for today, and I think he's spot on. Okay, so I see let, it all. You know, it's, let me get back though then to the uh, yeah. election and the, uh, the, the yep. this this ridiculous thing that will never get out of our constitution the electoral college it seems to me that yep. because uh uh blue states i mean blue people congregate in urban areas yep. and that leaves this huge that's why the maps of america look at you say it looks like all red except for these little blue dots where yep. cities are but with the electoral college and the way we apportion that, that means that exactly what we've got in the last what three elections, the person who wins the most votes yeah. doesn't win the White House. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. That is. I don't foresee us doing anything about that in. Unless there is a a big revolution at the polls that comes at the end of this year or in 2020, uh, it was you know, it's possible, but uh, I, I don't. To me, the the more insidious thing that needs to be dealt with is the gerrymandering piece. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that one, that one, you know, this if if the Democrats can do well in 2018 and in 2020, that will handle that. Um, that they, they they will be in the position, and this is this is sort of the the lone I would say the, the only benefit to keeping Trump in office until 2020 is that he's the gift that is going to keep on well, giving right in uh, that all regard. the way until the end of his first term. <laughs> but, but that's but, if uh, we survive it. Yeah. The issue well, of yeah, if we can survive that's that. Exactly. Long. Right. I'm, I'm not an advocate. The impeachment, you had mentioned that. We didn't get to talk oh, about the okay, impeachment okay. piece. So the impeachment piece doesn't come into play yeah. uh, until the election uh, in November when we can take the House, the Democrats right. can take the House. So you see yeah. it happening? Uh, if they, uh, I, I, I would, yeah, I would think that it would have to. Uh, both for principled reasons. It, 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 you know, it's the kind of thing that you that uh, I would look for the Democrats to dramatically reassert the their legislative role, the the, the kind of the checks and balances, and they're going to do it. I would I would suspect uh, through reconstituting Nunez's uh, uh, committee, such that uh, they're going to go forward with their own much more vigorous investigation, right. uh, much more public investigation, ones where the subpoena power is used pretty pretty often. Uh, and then that, that once Mueller submits a report and uh, they they uh, pull pull in their own uh, findings that uh, they, they will proceed simply as a reassertion of the of Congress as a check and balance on the presidency. Because we're going to know way more next January and February than we do now about the depth of, of Trump's problem. 
and I don't see that. I don't see any of this stuff getting, uh, you know, being illusion, illusion. A lot of people, you'll hear a lot of pundits on the right say that Mueller has not found uh, any evidence of collusion. And I personally, I, I think that those people are whistling past the graveyard. I think that, that, that there's so much evidence uh, of collusion that it's, it's kind of sort of an abundance in plain sight. Uh, I think one of the things that they're, they're sort of grappling with is the idea that, well, circumstantial evidence is somehow not evidence. When, in fact, circumstantial evidence is actually what convicts millions of people every year. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, And the the circumstantial evidence against Trump is overwhelming. Right. Uh, You know, when you talk about the meetings, uh, I I, I often laugh about, you know, the kind of the, the contortions that you see people on the right go through. They'll say, it's like, well, there's no evidence. Well, it's like, well, why was there all these campaign people having this high up meeting at Trump Tower, you know, with Russian intelligence people? <laughs> I mean, the original excuse was that well, they were talking about Russian adoption policy. I mean, that was such a cynical kind of fu kind of response. Yeah. And then that since then, one of the things that the it's a is that now is. So the Trump people no no longer even defend. They don't even explain why those meetings were occurring. And then you start asking, well, what about the other contacts? No explanation. Why were people lying about all of that? No, no explanation. explanation. Uh, and then you, you you start having uh, these uh, uh, you know, the people like Jeff Sessions being involved, it, it, it seems like a widening circle of people who either lied or haven't, we, we just don't even, they, they're not even telling us the reasons for all this. What are the reasons for all these contacts? If this were, and here I'm, I'm saying just something that is so patently obvious, if this had been Hillary Clinton oh. coming, uh, getting elected, doing even uh, doing this stuff, yeah, the the Republican Congress they'd already be drafting articles of impeachment already. Of course, well, I mean so, they would have been drafting now, them three, three, four, five months ago. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, they, they were actually talking about impeaching her over the silly email server thing right. back in the election. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's like it's like now it's like okay, but yeah, you know, I, I would say that the Democrats have to. They 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 cannot afford. To not do it, both for, especially for institutional reasons, constitutional reasons, uh, and uh, uh, you know, you know, political reasons as well. Does uh, does Trump fire Mueller before the election, or does Trump pardon Manafort? Yes. 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 He, wait, wait. You're <laughs> saying yes. Try. You're saying yes to yes. both. He pardons Manafort and he fires Mueller. Yes. Oh. I think so. Um, and now, having said that, I mean, if Mueller, the investigation is going to continue to go on. Uh, and they, there was just a new guy appointed yesterday or the day before at the right, Justice Department. Right, right. 
who is kind of you know, kind of overseeing this part, and it, you know, he looks like somebody. He doesn't look like a a a, a, a Trump toady. Uh, he, he looks like somebody who's part of the FBI and and and, and an institutionalist. Uh, uh, so, you know, I I don't know. You know we'll see. But I I, I think yeah, that. Uh, um, Especially if Trump is going in the direction of trusting his own judgment oh. and reacting in the way that he simply wants to react. Uh, he wanted to fire Mueller a long time ago. Uh, so the, so I, I think that's what's... Now, what was the other piece that you were asking Well, about? Manafort. Does he pardon Manafort? Because uh, okay. if Manafort flips, yeah. he's, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. He... Yeah. I, I, I think that... Uh, yeah. Wow. I I, I wouldn't uh, and and you know it's one of those things he's going to test the water uh, and he's already tested uh, his pardon power in, with that uh, sheriff Ohio guy. Right. Uh, and and, and it was, uh, nothing happened. Uh, but uh, with uh, Manafort, I'd look him. I'd look for him to test it. You know, it's like okay, what's going to happen? Okay. He knows the Republicans in Congress aren't going to do anything. Okay, well, that was my next question, because surely I was hopefully going to say, surely if he pardons Manafort and or fires Mueller, some of these spineless Republicans will finally, <laughs> oh, God, stand up. You, you think? <laughs> uh, I yeah, I, I would say like it, I would say in the House of Representatives that you might get ten or twelve that will say something, uh, and the same you might get five or six in the Senate that'll say something. Uh, but it is my sense of it that these they basically what's the, what's the old phrase about in for a penny, in for a pound that they they yeah. They've they've simply thrown themselves in with Trump. Almost, it's almost like hoping for a miracle that well, somehow this will save them. They really don't know what to do, do they? They don't know whether to. Um, I think their calculations are just flat out wrong. Like I, I think there's a really good chance that Paul Ryan is going to uh, lose his uh, his election. In a totally I would not be surprised Republican if district. Not, if he chooses not to run. Oh, you think he'll if not run? It looks run. like it's going to go that way. I would look for him to, design, to just decide not to run. I think he's sick of being Speaker of the House. I think he never wanted it. Uh, he hasn't been very good at it. Huh. Uh, and it, it's ruined It's ruined his political career. True. Uh, he, that he had uh, wanted to run for president. He's, there's no way he's ever going to be president. Uh, and to have to deal with the the, the the Trump segment of the Republican Party, I think it drives him crazy. Um, yeah. And you know, you know, it occurs to I, me. I really couldn't. Okay, yeah, but here, here, it occurs to me that everybody that embraces Donald Trump ends up eventually going down. I mean, does any? Yep. Does anyone? In the in two or three years, will anybody who enabled Trump, who who you know stood with him, will any of them have a career if they're not in jail? 
Yes. Well, I, I, it's an interesting question uh, because when you look at at uh, the Republicans, whether they're moderates, whether they're uh, they're no, they're non-religious or they're evangelical, it's like when this when the dust clears on all of this, and you know we we don't even know, need to get into worst case scenarios. We the, that even if we get to some medium case scenario with Trump, where are these people going to? What are they going to say about their behavior during this time period? Well, you see, you're the historian. Uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. You're, you're the historian, Jared. You're the historian, and that's what yeah. I can't believe that these people aren't thinking about the books that are going to be written and how they will go down in history. Right. Well, for, I can already tell you it is one of the, the worst effects of the kind of alternate news universe that most conservatives live in, that one of the impacts of that is that they – the, the starting point for them is that the liberal media and the, that uh, kind of academics and there's the, the, this large-scale misinformation conspiracy out there such that they, that they see history as being on their side. And that, that that will be the first chapter of any history written of this era was the dominance of a misleading liberal media that lied uh, and, and distorted the truth. And that what really was going on was what they what they see uh, on their own TV screens and on their own radio programs. Oh my God! You really? I mean, they re eat. Yes, absolutely. I have I have been stunned. You know, who, uh, that the people, uh, the Republicans, who are deeply you you will you will hear them say. Uh, repeat deep state rhetoric, you know, repeating anti-Semitic stuff. That they, they, it's almost like they don't even get that it's anti-Semitic. What they just said, <clears throat> you get things, you know, kind of characterizations of immigrants and of straight out of the worst elements of of the right wing media. Right. I've seen this when when Anton Scalia was around. He was a major purveyor of that stuff. Whenever he'd go out on public speaking junkets. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, the justice. Same thing. He and his wife. His wife has said all kinds of nutty things. Right. And and those are justices on the. You know, these are these are really educated people. Uh, these are people who are politically. These are not political novices. Okay. And and you see the same thing uh, throughout uh, most of the Republican caucus in the House. And one of the interesting things that's kind of increasing this tendency is that right now a lot of Republicans are afraid to hold town hall meetings. Yeah. Oh, I wonder so why. They don't. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like they're afraid. In their world, it's a conspiracy to humiliate them by a small coterie of, of left-wing voters and, and, their, and, their, and, and their enablers uh, in the national media, that the, those are the ones driving that. They don't get it, that it actually reflects the values of their voters. Well, here's what's scary. So then. I can even yeah. see how it is that these people, 
this is frightening. Yeah. This is frightening because I think earlier, yeah. way earlier in our conversation, you said something about, well, you know, it remains to be seen what's after Trump, what what we have. And yeah. what we're going to have is this riven nation uh, in which uh, maybe as many as 40% of the population uh, subscribes to this alternative rea- <laughs> unreality. Um, well, uh, well, what, what, I, it, they're it not going away. That it's not quite that bad. Okay, so we have a yes, third of are. the country. We have a yes, third of the country. Are. And Demographically, we ha- they are going away. They're going away? That's, the, that's oh. the upside. Demographically, they are going away. Uh, that, that, uh, you know, when you look at the political attitudes and the values of young people, and you look at the political values of the GOP base right now, it's like those folks are very senior. <laughs> mm-hmm. The GOP base. And it is the case that those folks will die off. And it, and here's the other thing about it. Don't you, you want to think historically here that we have been a riven nation before huh. along these kinds of lines. And here I'm talking about you know the entire like the entire lifetime of people's you know, people's lifetime after the Civil War. Our country was just as riven. Okay, yeah. along similar types of cultural and ideological thing, re, uh, reasons, and it was an era, the, the Gilded Age was an era marked by legislative gridlock. Virtually nothing happened for that entire uh, era that was a meaningful legislative way because of the, the gridlock uh, between the, the kind of former Confederate uh, folks and, and the rest of the nation. Uh, this is so... We've been here before, uh, but you know it has its distinct features right now. But I would just say, you know, that that, that, you know, that this these now the other piece that is going to there's other, another historical trend also. America has routinely flir- flirted with hot populism. Yep. And we we did this during the 1840s with the know nothing. We did it in the 1890s with the Populist Party. We did it in the right after World War One. There was a cold, uh, you know, a Red Scare that happened, and then of course the McCarthy period. And so it's like we go through, and what the, the one of the key kind of uh, features of all of those instances in the past is that boy, they blaze white and hot for a certain amount of time, but then invariably these people get disillusioned and fall back into previous patterns of voting but 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 this if i may but but if i may yes. this is different in that technology in that social media yes. that can keep people connected and again have this i i just think that just like trump you know blew up every every kind of you know perceived wisdom about how things work and go i i think we're heading into a time when yeah i don't think this will these guys aren't going away they have too many tools now to keep them uh very active the technology tools are, are certainly formidable but they're not insurmountable 
and I would, uh, there was uh, there was another thing I was going to say about this this issue with with uh, oh yeah the other thing here is Trump who are the, these Trump voters going to support after Trump is gone I honestly don't see any there is there is nobody out there in the Republican Party that that could take his place. Where are they going to go? You know, well, that is that to me. It, 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 I, to me, I, I, I think that they're they're going to fall back into previous patterns of voting. Well, they'll vote for Republicans. That. Oh uh, well, many of some of those folks voted for Obama. <laughs> some of them will choose. At, you know. And it also depends on to what extent does Trump, how much is he actually going to do for the Republican Party? How much is he actually going to do for Republican lawmakers running for re-election either in 2018 or 2020? I honestly don't think that he's going to do squat. Well, if you look at some of the and special elections, so, he doesn't know. He hasn't helped. Uh, no. He hasn't helped. Uh-uh. Even when he's tried to help, he hasn't helped. No. No, he, he, he you know, yeah, and so you know, it's like when uh, for for what what is the future for Republican leadership after this? Is it going to be somebody like a, a Paul Ryan, or yeah, I I don't see it. I think that that Trump and the the, the populist white nationalists of the Republican Party they actually don't like their GOP leadership. Right. They have it in for those people big right. time. Right. And so, so it's like once he's gone, where are they going to go? Okay, well then let, 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 let's turn to the Democratic Party leadership because I think the Demo yeah. Democratic Party is riven as well. And when the Democrats, let's hope, take the House in um, November, uh, yeah. who's going to be the speaker? Nancy. Yeah, I think so too. Because she knows yeah. how to she I knows mean, she a, knows how to do it. Realize she knows how to do it, and plus, when she was the speaker, they accomplished something. Right. And that's not something that you can make up on the fly. Right. Uh, and there you know, are there other people that might be speaker. Sure, but here's the thing: that if they win substantially in November. It's in, in part both because people didn't get hooked by Nancy Pelosi being the possible speaker and because of her own engagement with them taking back the House in the first place. But, it's not like she's sitting in her office letting some other, somebody else pull the levers or, uh, you know, in terms of the, the Democratic National Committee uh, and uh, support for, congr for uh, members of the House running for re-election. Like she is deeply engaged in that herself but you know uh look at the leadership the look at the leadership of the democratic party uh pelosi hoyer uh clyburn they're all over 75 years old um and you look yep. around okay so who you know it seems like a, there's a great opportunity in 2020 for the democrats to take the white house except they don't have a candidate yep 
Well, I, 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 I disagree. I think they have an abundance of candidates, and none of them. Uh, I mean, we let's be clear, Lynn. You and I, we've been spoiled. Okay. Yeah. How? Why? <laughs> Barack Obama only oh. comes around once in a while. <laughs> All right. We and 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 you know, even somebody like Bill Clinton, as as flawed a figure as he was, only come around once in a while. Uh, and so now, what we're facing is, in my view, it is a it is tip. This is a a historical pattern that goes back for generations. This is what Democrats do is that they, they have a big field of candidates when there's no incumbent, and there's going to be an enormous food fight over who's going to get the nomination. And I've actually looked at there's going to be more people who throw their hats in. Uh, and uh, right now, none of those candidates are like any sort of uh, – they're not, they're not Barack Obama. But I, if I'm not I, – we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe you know there'll be there'll be some, some surprises, and uh, yeah, I, I think it'll it'll sort itself out. I don't see any of these people. Well, I'm sure there's one or two, but I don't see any of them as being absolute clinkers. You know, it's, a, it's like you know, it, it was predictable when George McGovern got the nomination that that ticket was in serious trouble, it, and so. You know, when Adlai Stevenson got the nomination in, uh, what, in 1956. Two. Okay, 56. That yeah. was trouble. <laughs> yeah. That was trouble. Uh, and, and, and so, but, you know, it's like, what do you say? Okay. You know, I would say that I, you know, the Republicans are in far deeper trouble. I wouldn't trade places with the Republicans <laughs> for anything in the world right now. Okay. We have a question from Chuck. He says, uh, his question is, will we ever see a return to the Republican Party of Reagan or even George Bush? I th and he says, I think someone like Kasich could maybe lead such an effort if enough conservatives are as disgusted with their party. As is, he thinks Paul Ryan is it's disgusted. Yeah. possible. I, you know, it, it, it would, it would, I would actually, that would be so great. <laughs> in my view that would be so great if, if we could actually have a second party that had some sanity to it yeah but uh, the trump the, some... but the trump base doesn't like yeah. any of I, they they would never be, get behind or get excited by uh Kasich or a Bush-like or even Reagan-like. I mean, Trump and, and the GOP yeah. have, have repudiated much of what Reagan stood for. I know. Well, they've repudiated every... Was it? They repudiated the first Bush. They've repudiated the second Bush. And, you know, you can take it to the bank right now when the dust clears on Donald Trump. They're going to repudiate Donald Trump. What? And then, so it's like, what are they going to be left with? You know, as 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 a model for what their what their party is about. Reagan. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I guess, but it, you know, there again, it's like, uh, you know, are there who what Reagan Republicans uh, are, are Trump voters going to rally to those people? No. I don't know. No. I'm skeptical. 
No, I, I would be Here skeptical. Again, that's, I think that Trump is a unique figure right now, and that, uh, that when he is off the stage, it is difficult to see what's going to be left of the Republican Party. <laughs> as a cool, Right now, they're, they're jettisoning so many of their core principles. All and, of them. And they, doing it with such yeah. extravagance. It is so obvious. It's like, what, what in the future are they going to campaign on? Any of these lawmakers that are around right now, what are they going to campaign I on? I can't imagine. Your family values, they voted for Trump. Low deficits, they voted for Trump. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, they, 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 they're going to have so much to answer for. Being tough on uh, Russia? Later on. <laughs> being, I mean, it's just. I know. It, uh, being it, tough on national defense generally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it really sorry. is amazing. Okay, Wow. So um, I guess these are, as you said, interesting times, but, you know, that's a, that's a Chinese curse. Uh, I, I, it just right, seems the, you know, the destruction. I think the we're destru- on the cusp of a, of a major change uh, with that will all be for the better if you are somebody who's moderate or liberal, you know, that I, that I, especially liberal, that if you're on that side of the spectrum, I'd say I'd say that the, there's a good opportunity for us to make unprecedented gains in the next three years, and let's you know that's what we need to work towards. Yeah, but never put it past the the Democrats to screw things up. But uh, take heart from that. Take heart from it. You know, and that the Democrats are are simply being, for the most part the same party they've always been for good for bad it's you know, they're functioning like the a normal political party yeah. and that's what it would be that's what we would like for the republican party is that they, that they, they actually function like a normal party is it conceivable is it conceivable the republican party actually uh ceases to exist yes that is, that is uh, that has happened several times in uh, that uh, like after the War of 1812, the Federalist Party had made a series of disastrous political decisions in its opposition to the War of 1812, such that when it was, that war was over, they came off as such a treasonous party as a, as a party that uh, and and they, 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 their their national base simply collapsed. The same thing happened in the 1840s. 50s, when you had the Whig Party in the early 1850s, fell apart when its leadership uh, felt uh, was disconnected from the abolitionist movement. They had an abolitionist base that desperately wanted that issue to be the, at the core of what their party was about, whereas the leadership by people like Henry Clay and Daniel Webster wanted nothing to do with the issue, and it shattered the party. And then again in the late 1850s with the Democratic Party splitting between its northern and southern pieces in the convention of 1860. So this has happened before. The last time it happened was in 1932 when the Republican Party, it still got called the Republican Party, but it was that it got decimated by FDR uh, over in 1932, 34, and 36. People don't remember that after the 36th election, there were only 17 Republican senators in the Senate. Think about that. Yeah. Such stuff happens. 17. 
Okay. So these things do happen, but it requires a real reason. You know, we had slavery and the Civil War coming in the 1850s. In the 30s, we had the Great Depression. Maybe maybe Trump is is what's going to do it in uh, 2018. Yeah, but if, it, well, it, it might take, yeah, like he goes to, he drops a nuclear bomb on North Korea, something like that. But yeah, God help us. Let us hope he is the most destructive force in my uh, lifetime that I have seen arise in politically, politically, without a doubt. And. And, and, yeah, and we they, don't want him destructive in the, in the nuclear military. No, and he endangers the world. The world is 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 very very nervous. And I just again want to thank all you Trump voters for this wonderful thing that you have done. Hey, we're out. Of, <laughs> I'm serious. We are out of time, Jared. But gee, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll have to do it again. Yep. Yep, keep in touch, and uh, we can we can set it up. Okay, thank you so much. Bye bye. Yep, thank you, Lynn. Uh huh. Bye. Uh, so there you have it. Be sure to uh, uh, Daily News Nuggets, his uh, aggregate of uh, news stories, uh, sort of went away for a while, uh, but it is back, and uh, he's always got some wonderful things. I always think I've seen everything, and he always finds stuff that I that I have not. So the Daily News Nuggets uh, on Blogspot, um, I think, is uh, is the place to uh, go if you're a news junkie. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.